On this episode of the Paul Bunyan Podcast, we are talking about Michigan's exit from the NCAA tournament, their loss to UCLA, but also a little bit about their victory over Florida State and some of the offseason moves awaiting both the Michigan and Michigan State basketball programs this offseason. The Paul Bunyan Podcast is brought to you by Farbar. Visit far-ebar.com to check out all types of clothes and accessories, all things fashion, all things handmade from a, a local small business. Thank you for joining the Paul Bunyan Podcast post-March Madness wrap-up special. I'm Joe, and I'm joined by my pals Mike and Chris on this uh, somewhat season finale of the Paul Bunyan Podcast season two, it would seem. Yeah, the end of time, the end of all times have come. <laughs> yeah, and we, I'm glad you guys are here with me at the end of all things. Yeah, we just finished up the best holiday season of the year, March Madness, and honestly... And Joe's known me for a long time. I've always said that pretty much college football and basketball were like this, and I probably slightly prefer college football. He just put his hands really close together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah what idiot I am using hand signals on an audio <laughs> platform. Uh, I think with uh, college football having the same, pretty much the same teams win the championship and same teams in the playoffs all the time, I now like officially prefer basketball and yeah, it helps wow. that my basketball team's been really good, and my football team, you know, I don't feel as confident. But I think that actually that has very little to do with it because it's not like my basketball team's won a title in the last 30 years. Yeah. I think it's just interesting to watch Gonzaga play Baylor or North Carolina and Villanova play versus Clemson, Alabama every year. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing about March Madness is, you know, 60 60- eight teams enter and really there's a good shot for 10 to 15 of them to be a final four team to be playing on the final weekend there's there's really just nothing like it yeah yeah i think it really scratched everybody where they itched because we didn't get to have this thing last year yeah and i think people like guys i know a lot of them requested a couple days off for that thursday friday a lot of people watched uh, while they were working, or there was a lot of ways to stream. So I like having those all those games right on top of each other, and there's really nothing like it. Gonzaga and UCLA, I didn't have any rooting interest. I guess Gonzaga winning slightly helped my bracket, but I finished third. Uh, I finished third, too. I was in the money. If UCLA would have won, I would have finished fifth. So it really didn't okay. have that big a deal. Either way, I don't yeah. lose. But uh, my wife, who I was watching with, it was kind of flip for her. Actually, I think she finished fifth, and I finished third, and if it would have went the other way, we would have flipped. But 
That game went late, wasn't it? Like at midnight because it went into overtime. It was later. Oh, yeah. And when uh, that was the later tip between the two. Yeah, and when Jalen Suggs hit that three, game went. I'm like, yeah, and I'm sure like all of my apartment neighbors are like, who, who the hell is <laughs> who's yelling at this hour? <laughs> but like, yeah. it was it was almost a half court shot, and it was like miraculous. It in too. Yeah. And that's what uh, March Madness does to me. Like, I end up rooting and enjoying games between teams I haven't seen play all year. Right. Yeah, I was pretty upset at myself because I had the Alabama-UCLA game on, and, you know, with, like, five seconds left, Alabama bricks two free throws, UCLA gets the rebound. I think they were up two at the time, and they get fouled. I'm like, well, I'm just going to – I think I turned to watch The Office or something. I was like, this game's over. And then, like, two minutes later, I check my phone, and I see that it's an overtime. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I just missed out on the, the Alabama buzzer beater up three. Speaking of Alabama and UCLA, I mean, the winner of that played Michigan, and as we know now, it was UCLA. I think the last time we were here, Michigan had just beat LSU, and they were going to play Florida State in the Sweet 16. And I predicted they lose a heartbreaker to Alabama by one or two. And that kind of happened, except UCLA threw a monkey wrench, and they were the ones that beat Michigan in a game that was... Bloody. Yeah, it wasn't... I I feel two ways about that game. It was such a hard loss, and the way Michigan lost was, like, heartbreaking. But at the same time, like, it wasn't devastating because I'm also just so excited about, like, what Michigan has going forward. And just the fact that when Livers went down, this team didn't quit. And this could have been a team that lost in the second round. But yeah. they really had guys pick up the slack. And Chris, it, it's, it's really difficult to make a Final Four. Even, it is. Even with a fully healthy roster. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter how good you were in the regular season. I mean, it does matter. But it's not. It, it's one of the more elusive things in, in sports. Like, Gene Cady never got to a Final Four. He's one of the greatest basketball So players. many Big Ten championships, too. He's a big reason Purdue has more Big Ten championships in basketball than any other program. Yeah. But him and his uh, toupee yeah. never yeah. He never got to. Uh, but, I mean, I also think it would have hurt more if I didn't see UCLA kind of do that to a bunch of teams. Uh, I, I was worried about facing Alabama because I think Nate – Oates is like one of the best coaches in the country. And I really think Mick Cronin is too. I wasn't sure if he was the right fit at UCLA, but that that UCLA was more prepared than any other basketball team playing Michigan this year. They knew Hunter yeah. Dickinson liked to go to the left. They knew Franz Wagner liked to go to the right. They knew that without livers, Michigan isn't the best shooting team, and they forced Michigan to take jump shots from three, and Michigan wasn't hitting them. Right. And, and last year, UCLA kind of got off to a rough start. But by the end of the year, they were playing in a game for a share of the Pac-12 championship before everything got shut down. Uh, but, yeah, before that game, Michigan handled Florida State. I don't know if, if Michigan never led by less than six points in that one. I feel like they led wire to wire. What was the law of averages coming out? Because Franz Wagner might have had his best game in that game. Not because he was good offensively and he was good defensively. And if you didn't know the scouting report, you would think that he was uh, projected to be drafted higher than Scotty Barnes. You go to the UCLA game, and I wouldn't say he was bad defensively, but he wasn't playing up to his standard. And then he was awful offensively, one for ten, missed two potential game winners, both of them open. Uh, I saw a funny comment on Twitter that he missed the basket 
by as wide of a margin, by a Mike Smith margin. Because oh, <laughs> that air ball was way off. But I saw some people uh, criticizing the staff for that play call, but Michigan took what they what uh, UCLA gave them. If Michigan would have drove to a basket, UCLA had all of their guys inside the three-point line. Yeah. If they're going to leave you a wide-open three, you take it. And that was the second-to-last game winner that year, Bob. I think. No, 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 that was the last one. We had like eight shots. We had like chance. We had like eight chances. Missed the last eight. Missed the last eight shots and you lose by two. They were, they weren't very good uh, from the free throw line. I think they finished like, at one point they were like four for nine. Six of 11 was the final. Okay. So they made their last two, but like Mike Smith made an incredible play right before the half, got to the line, missed both of his shots. So instead of a two, a one possession game, it's a two possession game. Michigan. And he missed an awkward layup that would have won the game as well. After the I think that was, wasn't that Eli that did that. Yeah, you're right. He didn't yeah, know how right. much time was left. That's smart. If there's a second left, you just throw anything up. But Michigan had enough time to kick it back out or for him to dribble it out. Yeah, that was frustrating. Uh, Michigan got 20 shots at the basket. UCLA only got nine. You should you sh- you should win the game when you do that. Uh, uh, and it was also frustrating because I do think, for the most part, Michigan played a really good game on D. Uh, Eli Brooks had his uh, hands full uh, with... Um, Zang? Yes. Uh, that guy was hitting shots with Eli right in his face. And uh, Jazane 6'6", Eli's 6'2". Yeah. So uh, I, may have put, I may have put Franz on him. I also think Eli might not be really 6'2", because it looked like he was giving up like a half a foot. But, uh, I mean, you hold a team to 51 points. At at the 10-minute mark, UCLA only had four points. And then they got some threes. I mean, there was 100 points scored in the game. Juzang? I've heard Juzang or Juzang. Juzang had uh, 28 of those 100 points. So he had 28% of the points scored in the game. Yeah. and, I mean, credit to UCLA, they uh, controlled the pace. I had a friend ask me, like, why, why did they, why did Michigan miss so many shots at the basket? And I think they never, de- there was a couple reasons. They never developed the rhythm. UCLA makes you work for those shots, so by the time you get them, you've <laughs> used a lot of hustle. And uh, UCLA controlled the pace, you know, I really do. They, they, Michigan wasn't able to get a rhythm. They're not necessarily a team that likes to run all the time. But they never really consistently got going. Uh, and, and, I mean, Franz had a couple offensive fouls. UCLA was planted in the right spot. They know he likes to go to the right. They forced Dickinson to go to his right because he likes to go to the left. Um, and hats off to them. And they won a, and they took Gonzaga to uh, to overtime in a totally different game, 93 to 90. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, after we beat Florida State, I just thought, I was like, there's no way that we're not going to go. To the Final Four, and I really felt at that time like we were going to beat Gonzaga. And watching them, I'm not sure. I'm not so sure that it, we wouldn't have beaten Gonzaga if we had made it there. Now Baylor's a different story. I was, they, yeah. they, those guys really impressed me. Yeah. And and I predicted that Baylor would win after I'd had enough time to see those two teams. It didn't surprise me at all that they won a not even a very close game. But getting back to UCLA, it seemed like they played us really hard. They kept expecting. At some point for us to surge ahead by 8 or 10 the way that we like to do after we make so many stops in a row defensively. But they stayed really disciplined. They didn't give anything up. They didn't give easy looks. We both shot pretty poorly, but there was also two really good defenses out there that day. Oh, yeah. They really rose to the occasion. I was really impressed with UCLA, and you have to tip your cap. If you go that far in the tournament, 
I don't think you can say that this season's a disaster. I think it was a disappointing end to what was a really great season. I think what makes it tough is that if you're a Michigan fan and you're in the Elite Eight right now, you're looking at, you're thinking this is going to be, of all the years that we have to play, you know, for this Final Four, this is going to be the easiest journey to to get there through a UCLA team that we believe is very beatable. To lose there with everything that you've done all season, wanting to see what you've got against Gonzaga and then kind of falling short the game before the game, that part of it hurt for me. Yeah, it's hard to be totally disappointed because you're putting up a banner. But when you feel like you have a real chance at two banners, then one doesn't feel as good. It's kind of funny. I went into the Florida State and UCLA games feeling the exact same way, and neither one turned out the way I thought. I thought Michigan should beat both teams between six and eight points. And both teams are physical. Now, UCLA kind of... They're not as tall as Florida State, but both teams are really good defensively. UCLA adjust, and they kind of they know your strengths, and they kind of try to force you to do something else. Whereas Florida State's like, this is the system. We just become masters at this system, and you have to defeat our system. Now, they basically ran away from Florida State, and then they lose a hard-fought battle to UCLA, which a team I had a lot of respect for because they – beat what was it five teams coming in there into that game i think that was their fifth, fourth fourth I think that was their, their fifth, fifth win, win. So yeah so they've be- beaten four four teams in the tournament yeah like they they were a play-in team that won that game they beat oregon state they beat alabama they beat uh byu byu yeah they beat texas or they beat evelyn christian okay so i went Michigan State, then BYU, then Abilene Christian. Oh, Abilene Christian beat Texas. That's right. Yeah. And then the Alabama win, and then Michigan. Yep. So, really, I mean. That Alabama win's good. How many teams have wins like Alabama and Michigan on their their resume? You know, so. Going into the Michigan game, they had moved up from 45th to 20th on Ken Palm in just a couple weeks, only a handful of games. I, I really it's, feel like it's that losing streak that they were on that cast them into the, the first four. Well, no one respected the Pac-12 either. True, and then the Pac-12 really showed out. Yeah, I mean, Pac-12 or Big 12 probably had the best tournament, and uh, Baylor carried a lot of it for the Big 12 because they weren't upset as much as Mich- as the Big 10, but they had theirs too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, USC got to the Elite Eight. They lost yeah. to Gonzaga. USC lost by 19 to Gonzaga. Right before the Michigan-UCLA game. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of people thought Gonzaga might beat up on UCLA because they made a USC team that looked white hot. You know, they ran away from them, too. Yeah. I kind of worry about that sometimes in the tournament. If my team plays a game like Michigan did against Florida State, the wall of averages kind of say you might kind of come back to earth the next game. Uh that right. also might be over-worrying on my part as a fan because you also want your team to play well. Um, but I, I give a lot of credit to you, uh, UCLA. They were a really good team. Uh, they finished the season uh, and then rated number 16th, uh, and that's just through the tournament when they were 45th beforehand. Yeah. So that means they were playing like a top-five team, and they beat Alabama and Michigan, who I would also consider a top-five or six teams in the country. That's fair. Yeah, great run for UCLA. Are they back? That's uh, what happens with Juzang. If, if Juzang... Because he, he had a, a phenomenal run, personally. Like, if, if he thinks he's done enough to make the leap to the NBA, you know, uh, they still got Haquez and Campbell. And they lost their big man. I, I think his name was Smith. 
uh, early in the season. I think they they could still be good. They need a big man too. Yeah, it, it would depend like who's coming in. I can't say I'm too familiar with their recruiting class, but if Juzang's back, then yeah, I think they they're, are, they're entering the season preseason top eight. I think their class, or maybe it was Cronin's first class. I can't remember if these guys are freshmen or sophomores, but they were like a number eleven or twelve. They yeah. have a lot of four-star guys. What, what frustrates me is Michigan State held Juzang in check. It was that Hakez guy that was just absolutely gutting us. Yeah. Like, that dude couldn't miss. And that was the guy that Franz was guarding, I believe. Yeah, number four. Yeah. And uh, Franz, like I said, I mean, he got some. But that's the thing. I feel like if you flip Eli and Franz on who they're guarding, then the other guy goes off, which, you know. Yeah. It's, once you get to Elite Eight, Final Four, most of the teams have a couple guys that can hurt you a couple different ways. Yeah. That's true. Uh, I, I think the key to, the, to UCLA winning the Elite Eight game you know, Michigan had taken care of the ball so well all season and then had 14 turnovers in in the Elite Eight game. Now, for somebody who watches Michigan State, you know, 14 turnovers doesn't seem like <laughs> a lot. But, you know, for, for the way Michigan plays, 14 turnovers. And I think UCLA had a decent amount, too. Eight, yeah. But I don't, I don't think I've seen Michigan turn the ball over that much in a couple of years. No. Uh, Brandon Johns and Hunter Dickinson had a few. Uh, and then uh, I don't know if it counts as a turnover, but basically as I think Franz uh, had two charges. Um, uh, Mike Smith and Franz weren't hitting shots. But, yeah, that, that, that's something. Uh, and I don't know how much you guys want to start talking about next year, but I I think Johns had a really nice run. Six straight games, Big Ten tournament, uh, oh, yeah. this tournament. One of the big things that knocks against him when you're comparing him to Livers is he doesn't have the outside shot. Though he's shown it, what's weird is he took more as a sophomore last year than he did this year. He, he can make it, but I wouldn't call him like a threat, a consistent threat at, at the outside. Which is something that people were saying about Livers a year or two ago. But he turns the ball over a lot more than Livers. He's one of those guys we've been saying all year that uh, he'll make an incredible play and then he does something not-so-incredible play the yeah. next. Uh, I... I I think you slot him in as a starter at the power forward. But what I'm concerned with is you see guys, Rocket Watts last year ended the season strong, but that doesn't always carry into the next right. year. No, I'm not really one to believe in momentum between seasons, especially with college basketball players. That being said, I, I agree. you got to be really encouraged with the consistent level that he did it at. It wasn't just two really nice games, two off games. It seemed like he, he – was playing his role to a T when needed. And we've I've seen this potential in him. I also think it helps that he wasn't looking over his shoulder. He's like you're he, he was given a role like you're the starting four. You're not gonna play spot minutes at the four and the yeah. five. And I think that helps. Uh and I mean a lot of guys that are four stars that are ranked like the seventy fifth player in the country you don't really see it till junior or senior years. Yeah. Like usually it's the top 30 or 40 guys that you see like freshman year come out as studs. And next year, assuming Johns is back, which I think he would be, uh, I, I think the only people he'll be challenged, that will be challenging him for minutes there will be Williams, who will be a sophomore, and then Diabate and Cheddar, who will both be freshmen. Yep. So he, he, he could come in as, as far and away the most experienced player at the four spot. Yep, it's his spot to lose. Yeah, I also have read, I have heard through the grapevine that Eli and Shondi are both coming back, which gives us a nice team next next season. I mean, you know, compared to what we have now, I think we're going to be, 
on paper, every bit is good once those freshmen kind of, you know, come along and start to play at a high level. I'm just disappointed, you know, that Livers kind of never never got his chance here the last couple of years, got kind of screwed out of a tournament, yeah. and I don't see him coming back. I wish him the best. He's one of my favorite players to ever come through. kind of stinks that uh, the last three years, the same culprit has ended Michigan and Michigan State seasons. Texas Tech, COVID, UCLA. Yeah. And (laughs) three really worthy adversaries. 2020, both teams, their final loss was to Maryland. So each of the last three years, our our teams have had the same. I'm glad glad Turgeron got extended, though. I feel like he's a nice enough coach, but he's not like the biggest threat in the world. Like he's not all world class. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but, yeah, I heard the same thing. I, th- I expect both uh, Eli and Johnny Brown to, and, and Hunter Dickinson to probably declare for the NBA draft, but I expect all three to come back. I would say 90% Brown, 95% Brooks, 99% Dickinson. Yeah. I'd be thrilled if we had Dickinson back. That would really be something. Uh, 99%, sure. I, really? Yeah. Wow. I, I think he – and he – there's a really good chance that he uh, is one of the top five players in the country next year. Because in high school, he had the three-point shot. We might not see that until his third year, assuming he's here for a third year. And he's not, like, necessarily three-point heavy, but he can hit it. I also fully expect him to be able to go to his right at least a little bit next year. Yeah. And this year, he usually, his post-dominance was when he got the ball and he was already in position. Right. When things are even... I want to see him to be able to score inside. Yeah. Um, and, and they're going to be dependent on him. Unless they add another scorer in the transfer, We have, Michigan will have really nice pieces. But I don't know if Brown or Brooks or Johns can carry the offense. Dickinson can. Right. Yeah. So it sounds like Smith, Wagner, Livers, and then Austin Davis will likely be the ones not returning. I there sounds like there's a good chance Davis comes back too. He would be so many – Scholarships. Well, guys, this year, seniors this year don't count against the number next year. So there's uh, reports that uh, Dick, uh, that uh, because of COVID. Yeah, because right. I, I know I know about the extra eligibility. Well, Davis Davis uh, would basically be like uh, another assistant coach, gotcha. cheerleader. <laughs> yeah, which is nice because let's let's say a guy, a freshman, or someone goes down, and then you're like, well, these ten minutes still need to be taken up. It'll be nice to have Davis there. Um, I, I don't know that it's, like I said, this is right. just speculation. It's, it's, yeah. But it's a guy that's not necessarily going to transfer somewhere else and be a starter, like a Castleton, right. you know. Uh, he would basically be like another coach. Or, you know, if a freshman goes in there and immediately makes a silly play and Dickinson's in foul trouble, you might see a Davis appearance. Um, but, I mean, that's really nice. Very um, much beyond cameo. Yeah. Cameo. Uh, well, not 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 on uh, TikTok though. That's Adrian Nunez, who apparently is also speculation from insiders is he's going to return. I think he just kind of feels like he's going to have it's that nice to have a, a, a practice in practice. Yeah, yeah, a practice squad role. You know, those guys are always uh, are always nice too. They have a good role. I feel like there's a player I'm think that we haven't really talked about. Terrence Williams. I think we mentioned him. I mentioned him a little bit. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I think, I think he, Zabel transfer is what I read. I, I was gonna say that too. I haven't heard anyone speak definitively, 
But uh, I kind of get that feeling too with Frankie Collins, and then there's all these Buffkin too. Yeah, Buffkin. He's too. not a point guard, but he's he's the guard spot. Yeah, between uh, the freshman coming in and the freshman this year, not named like uh, not named uh, Dickinson. Dickinson, you kind of have all these guys that are going to be wanting minutes, and you keep hearing murmurs that Michigan's looking in a transfer portal for a, a point guard, and I don't think there's enough smoke there, but I kind of feel like. They're going to add someone there, too, and I'm looking at Carr, and I'm looking at Miller from Illinois, and none of the insiders are saying, like, definitively that Michigan's had contact with them. But I think those are both really interesting. Out, out of the freshmen coming in, who do you who excites you guys the most? Because personally, like, as, as an outsider looking in, I, I really get excited about Kobe Bufkin's game, and I think he could step in to fill the role that Franz will leave behind, or uh, Smith, depending on how you look at that guard spot. Uh, I've, I've always been a big Kobe Bufkin fan, but uh, Cheddar's a really nice scorer as well, too. It's like pick your poison. Yeah. Really, when you have the number one class in the country. Uh, yeah, but is there like one guy that you or either of you guys look at and you're like, I'm really excited about this guy? Yes, and like I said, it's still kind of pick your <laughs> poison. Right, right. I mean, I really like Frankie Collins. Uh, uh, him, uh, Bufkin. And uh, Diabate, just because Diabate, too, brings something totally different than Dickinson. He's defense first. Yeah, Diabate uh, is it for me. I just think that his ceiling is so high. And that's funny, too, because none of the three I just named are the highest ranked. That's uh, Caleb Houston. Houston. Yeah. yeah. And, I, <laughs> and that's what, like, I don't know. And, the, and then I also feel like uh, uh, Shudder, like, kind of underrated, or at least was at one point. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think... Cheddar, Cheddar is a guy who can, like, score. And I think Barnes is kind of underrated, too. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot about Isaiah Barnes. Well, they like class. Unbelievable. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I really don't understand how Barnes isn't a top 100 player. And granted, he's just outside. But I think at one point he was, like, 125 or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, Shutter has gone up the, the, the board, too. I think at one point he was outside the top 200. Yeah. Which really, like... I mean, kind of killed Michigan's average. Ba- basketball is kind of like more difficult to gauge in some aspects than football recruiting because you've got to take into account like competition, um, like just area, you know, like some areas are so basketball rich. I guess it's the same with football, but, you know, recruiting is, is really just so kind of hit and miss. You know, it is. like a, a lot of like those top. 20 to 30 type players usually do pan out in both sports, but I would say then tra- you also see these under the radar guys just explode onto the scene. I'd say the same with transfers. Michigan was very, very fortunate that Mike Smith and um, Johnny Brown uh, worked out so well. And I hope people consider that if Michigan adds a transfer into that and in, into this class. And I also don't want them just to sign someone or accept a transfer that's, you know, just kind of has a name. Like, yeah. even Marcus Carr, as much as I would like him to come here, he's so ball-dominant that I wouldn't want it to – I wouldn't want Michigan to be a team next year that doesn't go – that doesn't use six parts all evenly and kills you a bunch of different ways. Like, yeah. really became accustomed to that. Carr would be incredible, though, and as long as Juwan could. Yes. Don't get me wrong. I definitely – Orchestrated effectively. Be really, really excited. And, I mean – Adam Miller is the guy from Illinois that's transferring. He was down to Michigan and uh, Illinois when he made that 
uh, made his decision. And I, I, I wonder if uh, he would come here. Yeah. Um, I'm sure, like, teams like Duke and Kentucky might go after him, too. I think Kentucky was, like, one of his last four or five options, and, you know, they could use help. But Michigan yeah. has a lot of options. For sure. And, um, well, uh, we'll just kind of wrap thoughts on Michigan, and then in the next segment. Uh, well, I don't have to... a whole lot more to say. I think we kind of covered all bases. And, you know, good news if you're a Michigan fan, I think the staff's going to stay together because we already went through the coaching carousel. And I was kind of worried that one of our assistants might get picked off. Right. Um, yeah. That was my concern because it's a great it's a great group of coaches, and it's what it's working. And you don't want to lose one of those pieces. Washington, yeah. Isley, Martelli, Howard, they just, you know. And Martelli, like, when a reporter asked him, you know, if he considered going anywhere, he's like, I want to actually experience an offseason at Michigan because we were hired, like, in June when we right. came here. <laughs> Last year you had COVID, and even this year it's not going to be it's completely. not going to be normal, yeah. Yeah, but it'll be a, at least a return to normalcy somewhat. But we'll be talking transfers, I'm sure, on the other side with Michigan State. American folklore tells the story of Paul Bunyan, a lumberjack of enormous size and strength, who along with his blue ox babe, carved the American countryside, creating many of its landscapes and natural wonders. The major logging state of Michigan has its own battle of men of enormous size and strength as the Michigan Wolverines and Michigan State Spartans square off in an annual showdown on the college football gridiron. They play for the Paul Bunyan Trophy, a fitting prize for this historic Big Ten showdown. There's a bunch of news coming out of East Lansing. Not only did <laughs> Michigan State hit on a basketball recruit from Northeastern, kind of a familiar position for uh, Michigan fans. Uh, uh, Michigan State's yeah. kind of going the same route. We're going to plug in a transfer at point guard, which can be smart. They also some news on the assistant basketball front, and then a uh, old friend, former assistant, right? Or was he a grad assistant or yeah. Valentine? Valentine, yeah. Yeah, uh, congrats to Drew Valentine, older brother of Denzel Valentine, for getting the Loyola Chicago job after Porter Moser went to Oklahoma. Drew Valentine, he just has a fantastic pedigree. His dad, Carlton, was it was a longtime legendary coach at Lansing Sexton. Uh, he played for Greg Campy at Oakland, and Campy's just like a real, like old school, but like real smart. Like he's got Oakland usually sending a player to the pros every now and then, which is pretty insane so he played for campy then spent two years on, on tom Izzo's staff as a graduate assistant i believe it was denzel valentine's last two years and then went back coached under campy and then went back and coached under porter moser he was on the staff for the 2018 run to the final four and then was still on the staff so congrats to him for getting that job that's huge and uh, i think he's got a super bright future ahead of him like i said i mean when you grow up around like those influential coaches, just his dad, Campy, Izzo, and Moser. Like that's that's a pretty insane coaching tree to come from. Yeah. Kay Felder, people might remember, played. Uh, he was one of the best basketball players the same year that uh, Valentine's brother, Denzel Valentine, had a great year. And then Buddy Held too. Buddy Held, yeah. Yeah, Buddy Held uh, was uh, rock and rolling at Oklahoma. So. The, big, the biggest news probably is Michigan State getting the Northeastern transfer Tyson Walker at point guard. My concerns I'll list first, you know, like he's a little bit undersized. You know, like what's my biggest complaint about Foster Lawyer is that he's pocket-sized. And then he does come from, is it the American Athletic Conference, the AAC? Uh, 
AAC, I don't think Northeastern is in there. Because that's like Memphis, Cincinnati, Houston. Okay. Like Northeastern, it's like a real true mid-major. North, I don't even know, like, does Northeastern play in the same uh, conference as Loyola? I don't know. Let me have to look up conference. I got to be honest, I don't think I've ever seen Northeastern play basketball. Okay, the Colonial Athletic Association Conference, the NA, or the CAAC. So I knew it was the AA somewhere in there. Yeah, so what I think this does, I, like his numbers that jump out are almost 18 points per game, almost five assists per game. And then he won Defensive Player of the Year for the conference as a sophomore. The assists per game and then the Defensive Player of the Year award, that's what really stands out to me the most because I don't think he's going to be looked to to handle the scoring. I think what this does is hopefully boost you know the, the production of catch-and-shoot players like Gabe Brown and Joey Hauser, Max Christie coming in. Yeah, I, I think he's a better defender than Lawyer was. I think is a better passer than Watts was, a better overall scorer and more experienced than Hogard, you know, more experienced than Akins, who will be a freshman in. So I, I was really worried, frankly, that Michigan State was going to run it back with the, the point guard room of Lawyer and Hogard and Watts and Akins, you know, which, like, Akins is exciting, but he's going to be a true freshman. Like, you don't really hand the keys of, of that offense over to a true freshman. Like, even when Cassius Winston was a true freshman, like, he split time with Tum Tum Nairn. Yeah. You know, and even as a, a sophomore, he wasn't totally given the keys. And, I mean, how many freshmen really, especially at that position, come into a Big Ten and just play a lot right away? Exactly. Like, even, Trey Burke, maybe. Yeah. The last one. Yeah. <laughs> and Mello Trimble. Like, those are the only two that really, his, like, And, I mean, his sophomore year, he was player of the year. Like, Miller... Uh, if you look at his minutes for uh, Illinois, it was like a roller coaster. And he yeah. tend to play more later on. Um, like Mike Smith and Brent Forbes. Brent Forbes like, came, he from, came from Cleveland State. Yeah, those are like best-case scenarios. Um, yeah, or Brand- Brandon Wood came from Valparaiso for one year at, at State. He was really good. Look at, uh, what was his name, Juwan Simmons from Toledo? Or maybe it was, it was like Ohio. Jaren, Jaren, Jaren Williams. Yeah, Jaren Simmons. Like, like Aaron with a J in front of it. Yeah. Simmons. Like, he was, he was expected to, like, him and Xavier were expected to kind of shoulder the load together. And they did for, I think, yeah. a few games. To and be then, fair, like, Simpson just kind of took that position and ran with it as a sophomore. Yeah, and I mean, uh, his uh, his usage in the MAC was so high. Yeah. That's why you kind of see, like, you watch the first weekend of March Madness and you see some of those high seeds go against those low seeds. You see, yeah. like, well, the separation between... So it really takes a special player in the right position to do what a Forbes or a Mike Smith yeah. does. So I'm, I'm not expecting Tyson Walker to come in and like take the world by storm. I'm, I'm saying he's a better passer than any of the other options we had, and that he's a better defender. And that's really where Michigan State lacked at the point guard position was setting up other people. You know, that's why, unfortunately, the Rocket Watts experiment at point guard didn't really work because – He's a hell of a scorer. Like he can he can get to the basket at any pretty much at any time he wants to. He's not really a consistent shooter. But he was he just didn't have like the same court vision. He just wasn't like setting up other guys as much as he needed to, and that's where Michigan State faltered. Hogard, I think AJ Hogard showed some really nice things. People forget that he had surgery that put him out basically until a week before the season. That's why we didn't really see AJ Hogard play that many minutes until January. 
when Lawyer wasn't working out, Watts wasn't working out, it's like, okay, well, we kind of have to go with Hogard at this point. I think uh, you want to see him and Walker really battle for that position. Yeah. You were right about Jaron Williams, and also I should put some respect on his name. He's actually part of Michigan's basketball staff now. Oh, yeah. good, good for him. Yeah, he's a... Uh, a year ago, he was the program's graduate manager, and now he's the program's video analyst. Yeah. So I feel like with the class Michigan State has coming in, it's three mainly guard players. Like, Brooks could probably play down at the four if you're going small ball. But Jaden Akins is primarily a point guard, but he's a really athletic dude, good shooter, good scorer. I've, I've seen, like, Ant Wright on YouTube compare him to De'Aaron Fox, the former Kentucky guy who's now with the Kings. And then Max Christie, who's just a pure shooter, the number one shooting guard in the country, according to 24-7 composite. He's got height. He's a little bit scrawny, but he has added some more muscle to his to his frame since his sophomore year. So he's kind of, like, been built up. I think depending on when he gets to campus, he could really improve his, his frame and his build before the season. But he'll probably be the starting shooting guard next year for Michigan State, which isn't unheard of. Like, you saw... Gary Harris started at shooting guard as a freshman. Like, so that's not the rarest thing. Like, you don't have as many responsibilities as a point guard. And then Pierre Brooks, who has, I think, the best size and then the best, like, versatile game in terms of, like, scoring at all three levels, playing good defense. So I'm excited about those three. And then there's also the prospect of Keon Coleman, who's uh, with the football team, coming in, like, around January, probably not contributing too much right away. But he, he's an athlete. He has put up multiple quadruple-double games in Louisiana. But he's, he's a little bit head and shoulders above everybody else in, in his basketball state. You add Walker to those four, I'm excited about those incoming prospects. I still think another guy or two leaves via the transfer portal. I would guess Kithier would be on his way out. And I, I still don't know what Lawyer does. But I'm thinking at some points Michigan State will use two point guard sets next season because they don't have a whole lot of shooting guard depth outside of Christie unless you want to move Gabe Brown up to the two. But he, I think he's mainly going to be the three and the four. So I think you could see like Walker and Aikens on the floor at the same time or Hogard and, and Walker on at the floor at the same time, kind of like get a rotation between those three. Any chance, I have two questions for you, any chance that uh, Langford comes back and do you think Michigan State will add someone else from the transfer portal? I think there's a chance Lankford comes back. He did say after the UCLA game that he was sad it was his last college basketball game for Michigan State. But I do think he was like in a little bit of an emotional state just based on the way that they had lost that game, you know, having led for 30 minutes of, and then losing in overtime. Thanks um, for that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it all ended up being worth it in the end. <laughs> um, it would depend... I think they do try to add somebody. I don't know what they go after, though. Personally, uh, you know that I love the big guy from Penn State, John Hara. I think he would add a, a, a great element. But I also really love what I saw from Marcus Bingham and Julius Marble to end the season. And you still have Madi Sissoko, who could develop. Ideally, I would love to add a shooting guard. But I think if you add a, a shooting guard at this point, it's going to be somebody who wants a majority of the playing time. And I, I do think a majority of the minutes are going to go to Max Christie. Like, if I, if I could, like, handpick, like, somebody, like, 
I, I can't really think of a transfer off the top of my head, but if you remember Alvin Ellis, who played for Michigan State, you might not because he wasn't like a prominent player, but he was a shooting guard who came in a year after Gary Harris and was like kind of like spot minutes, like played, played a little bit as a freshman, was on that 2015 Final Four team as a sophomore, and then like Aaron Harris and Bryn Forbes and Matt McQuaid were all on the roster kind of like holding it down, and then Josh Langford came in, so... Ellis was kind of forgotten, didn't play like a whole lot of minutes, but Aaron Harris got hurt his their senior year in 2017, and like McQuaid was a little bit inconsistent, and Lankford was still a freshman at that point. So Alvin Ellis kind of stepped up and was somebody who could be relied upon. That's kind of like an ideal type of guard I would want to add in the in the transfer portal, but I don't know if that guy exists in the transfer portal, you know? You said John Hera. He looks like he was officially a power forward. Is that what you would want him to play at Michigan State or uh, I would center? I want him to play center. I, Luke, see, I, I mean, he that. plays both. Yeah. yeah. I, I would primarily want him as a center, just, you know, watching Penn State the last couple of years. He just seemed like a player that kind of belongs in the green and white just based on, like, the way he goes after rebounds and defends in the post. Just, just under 25 minutes a game last year, just under nine rebounds a game, just under nine points a game. So Yeah. So I – I really like what what's coming in with Walker and then those three freshmen that are coming in at the beginning of the year. And then, like I said, the idea of adding Keon Coleman, who's, who I think would play the four spot, which will mainly be occupied by Hauser and Hall, most likely. But, you know, having like an athlete like that on the practice floor is nice. I know Michigan State has a really good freshman class coming in. Do they have – what's their big guy situation like? The big guy situation, they had a five-star recruit, Enoch Boache, but he has since decommitted and uh, committed to Arizona State to go play with Josh Christopher. And <laughs> um, that basketball <laughs> program, like the, I mean, it's I guess campus. It's that campus. It's that campus. Yeah, life. yeah, it's they're in Tucson, good. I think. And yeah. and uh, back when like Playboy was a big thing, they used to always do the hottest uh, college girls <laughs> on each campus. And Arizona State was always either. Or I think they're in Tempe. Tempe, and then maybe um, a University of Arizona's in Tucson. Yeah, one of those. Like Either that. way, it's hot as hell out there. <laughs> um, but uh, like like the John Hera that you mentioned, like he looks like a really good player. But Michigan State already seems like they have a lot of six yeah. nine, six ten guys. Yeah, you know six, how I mentioned guys. earlier, like I would not be comfortable if Michigan State was running it back with that point guard room. I'm a little bit more. I'm a. Well, I wouldn't say a little bit more. I'm more comfortable. If they decide to run it back with like Bingham and Marble and Sissoko as their center options, because I do think Sissoko will develop, and I, I really like the way Bingham and Marble had a rotation going towards the end of the year. Marble was just kind of a foul magnet; like he would pick up two quick fouls, kind of the old Raymar Morgan style. But Bingham, he really started to show what I wanted to see from him for the last year and a half, which was just being a defensive presence and not, like, forcing some dumbass three-pointers all the time, which he, he his sophomore year, like, he was making some three-pointers, but he was kind of, like, you could tell, falling in love with it, which for a guy who cannot shoot it that well, like, from outside and would probably be a lot more effective, like, in the mid-range or closer to the basket, like, the last thing you want is for someone like that to fall in love with the three-point shot. And you definitely, I'm looking at, because I, I remember that Michigan State just has a lot, six eight six nine guys. You kind of want Bingham to uh, really put it together because he's 6'11", too. And I know he's – I, yeah. I kind of look at him as a little bit more of a finesse guy, but he has length. And 
the Big Ten, I guess, probably won't have as much length there next season, yeah. but they had so <laughs> many centers that were seven foot or taller. If I had to guess my, my lineup right now, like my starting five, it would probably be Walker at the point, Christie at the two, then Gabe Brown at the three, Malik Hall, and then Marcus Bingham. Because uh, I really like the way Malik Hall played down the stretch as well. And for most of the year, like I, was, I can't really say I was too disappointed with Malik Hall. I was a little bit worried he would actually hit the transfer portal just based on like minutes disparage, disparity. It was Jack Hoiberg instead. Yeah. <laughs> Is he going to Nebraska? To join his dad? I think or? he said he's going to um, some school in, in Texas. To get some minutes, maybe, a smaller yeah. school. So, I mean, I mean, he was a walk-on, you know, like, he, he wasn't... He wasn't, like, you know... Yeah. He, he wasn't a blue-chip recruit. Right. It wasn't like, like, when Kenny Goins walked on in 2015, like, he was turning down some solid scholarship offers to walk on at Michigan State. Like, they're not all like that, you know? Mm-hmm. But... Uh, the Dane Fife news. Um, the Dane Fife news. Yeah. Is he the guy you'd want to take over for Izzo? Would he no. be number one? Uh, Dwayne Stevens probably would have been number one. He's kind of like the defensive he, coordinator, the he, big guy. Yeah, he, Izzo's bodyguard. Yeah, and, and he, <laughs> he used to play at state too. Like he, he was well known. Well, those two, Dane Fife and him, have been there a long time. Yeah, and then Mike Garland had a stint at Cleveland State, but he's been on the staff. Like since before Mateen Cleaves. Really. Oh, I thought so, he was the one that he, he brought Brent had, Forbes over. <laughs> <laughs> he just also had some stints elsewhere. So, yeah, Dane Fife played at Indiana and is going back to coach on Mike Woodson's coaching staff at the University of Indiana. You and I were talking. I think like Mike Mike Woodson might be a little overlooked just because of his overall record, but he was thrown some tough positions. The Hawks yeah. and Knicks were terrible. I, before I had he got just there. kind of forgotten about him altogether. Like occasionally I would see him on one of those NBA playoff benches and be like, oh yeah, that's the guy who used to coach the Knicks. Mm-hmm. So I mean they've got they got uh Trace Jackson Davis to come back. And then they got the point guard from Pitt that I was really interested in for a while, uh Xavier Johnson. And so far, like, I don't know, a lot of players from Indiana were in the transfer portal. Like, Armand Franklin's going to Virginia. I haven't heard anything about Al Durham. It looked like the players had given up on Archie. Yeah. Al, Al Durham is someone who maybe I would be interested in Michigan State going after because he does play that guard spot. And But, I, again, I don't know where his head would, would be at if he comes in as a senior and is like, okay, I want as many minutes as possible. It's like, well, you might have to compete with – Brown and Christie to get those, you know. So, Mike Woodson too. I don't know how closely he follows college basketball. Like, Juwan Howard was not only a big fan, but he had players that had gone through the process of being in the AAU and been recruited by college basketball programs. His oldest son played at uh, UDM. So having some surface-level knowledge and then also bringing in Phil Martelli like really made the process smooth. Woodson got Thad Mata. Yep, as associate. Now. Well, as associate AD. As associate AD, right? Yep. Right. No. But I can't imagine Thad Mata will be too involved in like football or anything. No, <laughs> no, no. Is and I mean getting Dane Fife too, like was a higher yeah. like that. That definitely seems like an upgrade over over Archie, who seemed to I don't know. I don't even know where to begin with him. But yeah, Archie was a huge disappointment because he where was he at before? He was at Dayton, Dayton. and it seemed yeah. like they were usually overachieving. And yep. so we thought, whereas we thought Mick Cronin to UCLA wasn't 
uh, like a, a perfect fit. Yeah. RG Miller to IU looked like a slam dunk. Yeah, it seemed like Mick Cronin. Yeah, Mick Cronin seemed like you'd make more sense at like Ohio State. Right. You know. Yeah. I mean, both. And then Sean Miller was also in the same part of Ohio. Had a really good stint at Xavier. Definitely did better at Arizona than Archie did at Indiana, but the yeah. last five years really just fell he, off. He's just got fired. So both of the Miller brothers just got fired. Yep. But what was his brother's name at Arizona? Steve? Sean. Sean, Sean Miller. Miller. Never yep. made a Final Four, and it felt like they were always one of the more talented teams. He won five Pac-12 championships and went to three Elite Eights, but kind of front-loaded. Like, he kind of was a splash there. Yeah. Only one of those Elite Eights or maybe only one of those Pac-12 championships have been in the last five or six years. Yeah. But that's why I told you that, like, <laughs> I kind of considered him um, Bill Self. Uh, Bill Self Jr. Yeah, for a time. Yeah, really winning a lot of conference championships, a couple good years in the tournament, but kind of seeming like he underachieved. Yeah. The, the other news out of Michigan State, we kind of hinted at it already. Rocket Watts hit the transfer portal. It's kind of unfortunate. I, I think he's someone who would have greatly benefited from experiencing the NCAA tournament two years ago, playing alongside Winston and Tillman and, like, a guy like Kyle Ahrens. And then just I feel like too much was put on his plate too quickly this year, and it just – I think he got frustrated with himself and with Izzo. I think Izzo and him – I think they were just getting frustrated. It wasn't like a dislike or anything. Like, you saw it at the end of the Michigan game, you know, those two embracing, like – Rocket was like so happy to see his mom in the stands for the first time and like having a great game, you know, just like breaking down, crying, hugging Izzo. I don't think it was like a dislike. I think it was a mutual best for both parties. It's just not going to happen here, unfortunately. I I think Izzo might not be the right type of coach for him. He's kind of a general. He's kind of like a free. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I could see him thriving under. I hate uh, to be a homer, but Beeline. Yeah, or uh, the guy at Florida State. Um, What's his name? Oh, uh, uh, shoot. Leonard. Leonard Hamilton. Hamilton. I almost said Leonard. You know who played for Leonard Hamilton? Juwan Howard with the uh, Washington Wizards oh, for one year. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was shocked that that wasn't one of those things that was said a hundred times during the game. I think they mentioned it once. Huh. I, I just feel like beeline because um, Rocket Watts always thinks it's Rocket Watts times. Yeah. And so. Which, you, which is great, you know, as, as, like, as a shooter. If your mid range is going in, like. You always want to think your next one's going in. You don't want a shooter who's like, oh, I'm having a bad night. Just not going to shoot it. Like, you don't want that. Yeah. But there was times that maybe Lankford or uh, <laughs> Aaron, yeah. Aaron Henry should have been shooting it. I, if he finds the right coach at the right program, like, I think, like, the Mac would be really good for him. I could see him thrive in there. Yeah. If he goes to another. Or the SEC, there's not a whole lot of defense in the SEC. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Aside from, like, Alabama. Alba, Alabama. I'm trying to think of, I, in my head for a second, I was thinking oh, Florida I, I State. Like was a Big a, East team, like Xavier or something like that. Big East or maybe American, I could kind of yeah. see, too. But, like. Like, where did, did Julius go? He went to Cincinnati, Cincinnati right? Yeah. yeah. There's some. A lot of issues going on there. Like, not only is he not in the right headspace, but stuff going with the coach. Uh, but DeJulius, okay. I mean, he put up good numbers, but if you look closer at it, not necessarily good. Uh, Are you talking about his time at efficient, Cincinnati? Yeah, it's the efficiency at okay. Cincinnati. Gotcha. Um, but he also, I believe, left the team towards the end of the season. Um, oh, man. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there, but it also seems like the team doesn't really like the coach there. So That's unfortunate. I really liked DeJulius during his time at Michigan. Yeah, I was sad to see him go. Like, if you asked me, like, six months ago, it was like, yeah, I'd rather have DeJulius than Mike Smith run. Right, just not knowing what Mike Smith was going to turn it, put in this past year. I could see, like, 
Rocket Watts ceiling being kind of what Shawnee Brown was at NC State before coming to Michigan. Like a team that either doesn't make the tournament or is on the bubble, but he's like the premier player. Like that's yeah. that's what I see as his ceiling. Yeah. And I might have said something a little bit higher before yeah. uh, this year. So kind of the, the things to keep an eye on for Michigan State this offseason, who fills that that assistant coaching spot left by Dane Five? I've heard David Thomas, former player who's been on the staff for a while, uh, Gene Wojcik, who's been their recruiting coordinator. Like That seems like a natural fit for him. Or Thomas Kelly. Maybe it would behoove him, behoove the, the staff to bring in an outside guy. like Don uh, Brown from Arizona. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. I was going to say John Beeline. <laughs> um, like, like a high school coach or like AAU oh, yeah. circuit coach. Maybe not like... Like somebody who could bring a fresh spin of recruiting or a system. Like, it's always good to reward your system guys as well. You know who you shouldn't bring in? Yaklich. Because he was at Michigan. He leaves a year later. Beeline's gone. He goes to Texas. <laughs> he leaves a year later. Uh, Shaka Smart's gone. So unless you were yeah, only want two more years with Izzo, don't bring in Yaklich. The Yaklich uh, curse is real. Well, he's got the defensive coordinator with Dwayne Steele. Yeah. So I don't, <laughs> um, oh, sorry. Sorry. Um, and then, yeah, kind of, I, I, w- I would assume Aaron Henry leaves. And then, yeah, we didn't um, even talk about that. but uh, I think it's been kind of yeah. given like ever since the year started. And then Langford, I, I do feel like he goes somewhere else. I'm just not sure where. And what do you? What? If if he comes back, I think that helps Michigan, Michigan State so much. Yeah, because he's but everything you would want. Like, it depends, like who he's taking minutes from. Yeah, like if I don't know, it's if it means you don't have to have Foster Lawyer play at yeah. all. I, I mean, I, I, I hate to like sound lawyer, so. I hate. Fo- I, I think Foster Lawyer is a transfer candidate, anyways. But he's also recovering from an off-season surgery, so he might honestly just stay on this. He might have an Austin Boston. Davis role. Yeah, I would love to have him as like a a, a player coach type thing. Yeah, because I do think he added something uh, from the bench versus the floor the last four weeks of the season once he was out. I hate. To, I mean, yeah, I hate to sound so mean spirited, but no. just when he wasn't on the floor and when Kithier was on the floor, and like you never knew what you were going to get with Rocket Watts. So I really think those three guys yeah. not being on the floor actually helps Michigan State. And I and I still think there's a chance that uh, Joey Hauser has a back uh, a bounce back year. Like I said, I think adding uh, Tyson Walker will greatly help the catch and shoot players like Gabe Brown, Joey Hauser, Max Christie, probably someone else I'm forgetting. Um, but Tyson um, Tyson Walker and AJ Holgard back there kind of feels like yeah. Michigan when they had. Um, Jerron uh, Simmons, and, uh, Simmons and, and Xavier, Xavier Simpson, Simpson, you're just like hoping one of them just breaks yeah. out. And then also Aikens is yeah. more of a natural point guard, but will likely play some off off ball as well. But, yeah, I, I'm sure there's a lot more roster turner, turnover coming uh, for Michigan State, maybe for Michigan as well. I mean, we've seen so many players at the transfer portal just in the last week of college basketball, so it's an ever-changing landscape. But I think that just about does it for us here on the Paul Bunyan Podcast. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at Paul Bunyan Pod, Facebook, the Paul Bunyan Podcast. If you want to email us, it's thepaulbunyanpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Good 
off season and uh, football season will be here before you know it.